Uh, it's good to see you this morning. There's just a whole lot of good things happening at this stage. We started this church in Southernwood, evening services, wanting to grow cross-cultural, wanting to reach people with a bit more color, you know, and uh, really feel God spoke to me and said to me, this is your assignment. I've called you to pioneer cross-cultural ministry for the whole Shofar family. So, we're stepping out, and I must say a few times, really been battling, like, Jesus, am I crazy? What am I doing? So anyway, this week was a huge breakthrough. Um, we baptized 11 of the people from Southernwood, and uh, it was just phenomenal. Let's give Jesus a hand. So it was our first, our first baptism, and so each one had the opportunity to share their story. I've never heard so many sad stories in my life, but it was amazing. I realized for the first time, the gospel is truly powerful. Because if these lives can be changed, pastor, I'm off alcohol for six weeks. I've stopped this. I've stopped my drugs. I've stopped this. I've changed. I realized if these 10, 11 people's lives can change, I think we can change the world. There's no one too deep, no one in too much darkness for our God to pull them out. Ah, so I was so thankful. I was so blessed. And so we're baptizing this one lady. And uh, as we have never experienced this in, in ever in all the baptisms we've done, we baptized about 70 people last year. And uh, so we're baptizing this lady, me and Tersa. And the next moment, the power of God comes upon her in the water. <laughs> so I was like, Woo, God, this is good. So you see, what I'm doing is I'm continuously just listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Every time I lay hands on someone, I'm listening. God, what is the call on this one's life? Lord, what have you planned for this one? And so about a month ago, we're pr- praying with three of my, my brothers. And uh, it was just amazing. The one guy, the power of God came upon him, so pronounced, so powerfully. And the Lord showed me a vision that he's going to be a pastor of a huge church. I hope it's going to be a show for a church. But uh, I just saw this amazing call on his life. Spoken into being, the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was weeping as God was touching him. And so I knew, I need to walk a road with you, brother. And the same thing now in the water with this lady, the power of God came upon her. She was shouting, Woohoo! Jesus! Come on. God was touching her. She's never experienced anything like it. And the Lord showed me there's a call on her life. So the next day I made a coffee with her, Teresa and me had a coffee with her, had a chat. It was amazing. She said to me, I never thought I would be part of a white church. (laughs) And she said, but when you go through those doors and you experience the love, it changes you. So I must say, it's amazing for me to, and these are people that have been, been to many churches all over East London and in Southernwood, and they say, when they come to us, they experience a love that is different. And I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. Nothing can stop your love. Nothing can stop your love. So I just want to give honor to God for his faithfulness. Cross-cultural ministry is not for sissies. Any form of church planting is not for sissies. It takes a lot of grace from heaven to push you, to pull you through. I'm so excited now. I'm making the most amazing friends with these 
amazing people. And I'm just seeing this amazing potential. Hallelujah. God is building His church. Amen. Let's do it. So I want to share with you this morning, minus to plus, part two. I started on Easter weekend, started to share about uh, radical perspective changes. So I want to share with you this morning about the path to abundant life. And it's not what you normally think, especially for the brand of Christianity that's being preached in many churches these days. It, yeah, I just, this is another road that God wants to to lead us on. And so I want want to make you aware of it. But I also want to hold before you, I'm I'm trusting you're going to be inspired. You're going to see what God is holding before you. Because when you see what God sees, then you're going to go for it. You're going to do it. You're going to make any sacrifice. Any sacrifice. So on Easter weekend, I spoke about the cross is where every negative in our lives are turned into a positive. At the cross... That's the moment that transcends time where every negative is turned into a positive. Jesus bought that for us. Every sinner is turned into a saint. Every sickness is turned into healing and grace. Death is turned into life. All at the cross. From minus to plus. Okay. But now I want to build on that. It's not only a once-off event that transcends time. It also represents a lifestyle that God is calling us to. A lifestyle. If you want to get to the plus, the abundance of life, sometimes you need to go through a negative to get there. Even as Jesus had. He had to go, he had to carry his cross and die so that he could have us. And I believe it's the same for us in life. If you want that awesome for that awesome joy that's set before you. If you want that abundance of life, if you want that breakthrough that blows your mind, there's something that you need to go through, and sometimes it isn't so much fun in the moment. But if you just hold your, keep focus, see what God is seeing, keep going, you're going to experience that breakthrough. So I'm going to share with you two things this morning. The one is, something needs to die if I am to experience abundance of life. Amen. <laughs> no, it's not that say that. It doesn't sound exciting, does it? And secondly, to say yes to Jesus implies saying no to a whole bunch of other things. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think I can just say, Jesus, I give my life to you, and everything goes on as normal. It doesn't. Now you have to say no, 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 no. Yes. And we forget that sometimes. So I want to I share that with you. Okay, so I'm going to share a few scriptures, some really profound, profound things that the Word of God says about this. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 24. I want to take you to a, a scenario. I want to use this as a parable. When we went to India a few years ago, first time in India, in Mumbai, the team of us, we landed around 1 o'clock, went, came out of the airport around Two o'clock in the morning, and got a real shock, culture shock, boom. It was unbelievably hot, two o'clock in the morning. You could hardly breathe, it felt. And there was like a hundred plus people with signs there, come, come, come. So now I'm now first you hope someone's there for you, and you find the shofar sign. 
And now we all start going <laughs> with all our baggage, luggage things. And now we, and suddenly there's like 10 plus guys around us. Felt like 50. They are around us and they all want to help and they want to have some money for it. But now I hope that this guy is our bus guy. I'm not really sure. He had a little chauffeur sign. So I hope now we're following this guy. We, we're walking away from the airport, walking away from the light and safety. And now we're going down this road and it's getting darker and darker. <laughs> this is weird. And we have this whole bunch of guys around us. It was freaky. But so we went... And we're trusting and we were hoping everything's going to be fine. And they're all like grabbing our bags and wanting to help. It's like a dark parking lot area with a bus. It's just weird. And uh, in the end, we got in and we went. But I was thinking about that scenario. I could have stayed back. I could have, because of my fear, I could have kept, stayed back. We could have stayed at the airport, the light, where it's safe and comfortable. Or I could have, okay, this is my driver, this is our guide, I'm going to follow. And there's a whole lot of other weird things happening around us, but we're going to do this. In the end, we went to, uh, got in the bus, and that was a freaky ride as well. Sitting, I sat on the front, and India is different, eh? It's different. The driving, no lines. They just hoot, hoot, I'm coming past, I'm coming past. And then it's like five, six lanes, and everybody's crisscrossing like that. It's wild. Five people on a scooter, mom, dad, sister, brother, little baby, no helmet. Woohoo! Let's go. But dad has a helmet on, and that's what counts. That's what counts. <laughs> so, but I was thinking of, of, of that context. You're in a foreign land. Do you know that we are in a foreign land? You, you, the moment you become a Christian, you are a citizen of heaven. And so South Africa is actually a foreign land. It's enemy-occupied territory that we've been called to take back. So you know, in a foreign land, and there's only one true guide, and his name is Jesus. And it's a little bit scary, you know, to follow Jesus. Because sometimes it goes a little bit darker before it gets lighter. Do you know then? Sometimes people say they come to Christ, and now all hell breaks loose. It was easier not being a Christian. But sometimes first a little bit of challenges you need to go through before you can get to the light. Now look at this verse. Then he said to them all, this is Jesus, if anyone desires to come after me, like the guide, come, hey, are you coming? Let him deny himself, let him deny his fears, even like getting involved in a community. You need to overcome your fear. You need to overcome your worries and your doubts and take up his cross daily and follow me. Follow me. So Jesus is like asking, are you coming? For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, if you want the abundance of life, if you want the plus, you're going to have to deny yourself. Yeah, You're going to have to actually maybe go through a little bit of darkness to face your fears. To get through to the other other side. So that we can have it. Pick up your cross daily and follow. Overcoming our fears. Matthew 7, 13. Another scripture that speaks about it. It says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult or, or constrained is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. 
So how it works is there's a, to, to, to truly follow Jesus, he's going through the narrow door. You have to go through there. But there's a lot of other options. A lot of, a lot of other options that you can follow. But you see, it looks narrow, but when you go through it, everything actually becomes broad. The further you go with Jesus, the freer you become. The more options you actually do have in the end, because you have the ability, the capacity to take those options. But if you take the broad ways, a lot of options, you can choose any of those options. If you choose the broad way, do you know what happens? The broad way becomes more constrained the further you go. That broad way becomes this narrow road next to the mountain, next to this precipice. You actually start playing with your life when you choose the broad way. You become become a, a slave to desires and things that actually lead you next to that precipice. So the broad way seems good. Narrow way seems, ah, feels like getting married, eh? They always joke about it just before the guy gets married. Ah, ball and chain, uh, oh, life is over, uh, now no more fun. Oh yeah, congratulations to Jock and Kayla getting engaged. Just give them a hand. Awesome. The truth is, getting married is awesome. It is freedom. You have a whole lot of other options. Because your clothes got sorted out, so now you can do something. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But it actually, it is freedom. It is freedom. It is freedom to get married compared to before getting married and you burning with lust and physical challenges to all the guys in the house. It's more better to be married Sex inside marriage rocks. Just want to say, amen, someone? Come on, amen. Outside, it seems exciting. It isn't. It isn't. That's not my message. It's not about that today. But I want to say marriage rocks. It's amazing. It's wonderful. But the world says it's going to constrain you. It doesn't. It unlocks your destiny. It unlocks who you are in Christ. When both of you are serving Jesus and you build one another up. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But it says you pick up your cross daily. So it's the whole thing about you could say you're a Christian. And you say, why is this so hard? This Christian will, why is it so hard? Sometimes it's so hard. Because we choose to walk a road the Lord has not given us to walk. In other words, in, for in my life, for instance, I've been called a very specific road to walk by Jesus. Whenever I try to walk a different road, I'm not talking about sin even, I'm just talking about a level, of, a level of walking with God. The moment I try to be like other Christians, it doesn't work. Because there's no grace for me outside of the will of God. It's like when I became a Christian, the first thing, one of the first things the Lord told me is, let go of the computer games. Messes up your brain. Let go. Ooh, I can feel the conviction now. Woo, 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 woo. Computer games are for the five and six-year-olds. Real men move beyond it. Okay, all the wives are going, woo-hoo, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Because God has got so much more planned. It's not like a sin, you're going to go to hell because you're playing computer games. You're missing out on hearing the voice of God. 
Eh? For those of you who played computer games, when you go to bed, it's like all these things are shoot, 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 it's all going through your head still. There are no heavenly visions coming to you. They are just pew, pew, pew. <laughs> You're missing out. You're missing out on what God has planned for you. That sort of, and, and, and every time I to be like other normal people, it's like all hell breaks loose because God said, I've not called you. There's no grace for there. There's no grace for there. I've called you for a year. There's only grace for a year. Over there, you're going to be miserable. You know, you might say, you know, some other Christian guys, may, they, they sometimes go to a pub. They have this beer with their buddies. They fine. You try to do it. And immediately you find yourself in trouble. You drink too much. You find yourself in trouble. You do stuff that you shouldn't have done and you regret it. But you think other guys can, other Christian guys do it. Why can't I? Because you've been, you, you have a higher calling. You've been called for something greater. Unless you walk the road, the greater road, you will always be miserably depressed. Battling. There won't be grace. I find every time I say yes to the will of God, it's like peace. And visions. <laughs> Immediately. <sighs> Connected again. I'm on the narrow road. It's freedom. Absolute freedom. So, but there's something that needs to die. Some of our desires for our other things need to, to die. I still do it sometimes when I go to Musica or CNA or those places. Then I walk through the computer, the games, TV game area. And I just look at all the titles. Just need to know what all the people are playing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I walk out with Jesus. <laughs> it's just an example. Every one of us have different battles, different struggles. But it's not about, oh, it's such a sin. It's more like you're missing out when you allow those things to consume you. Pick up your cross if you want to follow Jesus. You need to die to something in your life. Something needs to die. The truth is... The moment you come to Christ, the old you is dead. The moment you come to Christ, the moment you surrender your life to Jesus, it's like the old sinner you dies. And then you're now a saint. Awesome. It's freedom. But now what happens is we, sometimes it feels like the old man crawls out of the grave again. And he comes and haunts us. And you're thinking, I thought I dealt with this. It's like the old you again. The 10 years ago you is now back. Why does that happen? Because we hold on to specific desires that causes the old man to resurrect again. And that's what I believe is about picking up your cross, about saying death to those desires. Let me read this verse. It's Romans, Romans 8 verse 5 to 6. It says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded or fleshly minded or earthly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In other words, when you put your heart and mind on the wrong things, worldly things, etc. It causes your old man to come to life again. Then you battle again. Do you know that when you're in the Spirit, there's complete freedom. Complete freedom from sin. And battles in your heart and head and mind. Freedom. Because you're in the spirit. There's life and peace. But you see something needs to die. So that we can get that old man back into the grave. So 
Hebrews 12, verse 2. This is one of the keys to getting this right. Hebrews 12, verse 2. It's about getting heaven's perspective on things. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. So instead of looking at the wrong things that distract us, the fears, the negativity, we keep our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He's the one that initiates, perfects our faith. He, when we look at him, we have faith. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside, of God's, beside God's throne. So, Jesus is being told by God, his father, this is your journey through the cross. And he was praying in Gethsemane, God, I don't want to, if we can't, if it's any other way, any other way, let's do some other way. But the father said, no, this is your cup. You must do this. The only reason Jesus could go through it is because he looked beyond the cross. He looked beyond the grave. He looked beyond the suffering. He looked beyond the challenge. He looked beyond the sacrifice and he saw us and he could joyfully do it. That is the key for you and for me to walk the narrow road. We need to look beyond the sacrifice. For instance, you've got a little old dingy, shocking, horrible little car, okay? Hypothetically speaking. A horrible little car, but you like it. So now God comes to you and he says, give me your car. You're like, poof. I know, it's a crappy car, but I mean, it's like, <laughs> I like it. I've named it. It's got a little name. I know the girls in the house, they name their cars. You know, it's got a name. <laughs> and so you, you, you're like, okay, keys, key, keys. No, no. I'm emotionally attached to this little car. I like this little car. We have a history together. Sorry, Jesus. Not this month. Now, let's have another scenario. Jesus isn't only asking you your little car's keys. He has a different set of keys in his hands. Your dream car. Your dream car. I mean, we're all seeing it now. Dream car. Jesus saying, give me those keys. I give these to you. Who wouldn't take it? Stuff the history with a little car. Shoo! <laughs> I want that. You take it, you experience the blessing. I believe that is a sign, that is a, that is a good illustration of, of how life in the kingdom works. When you take your eyes off, off the prize, if you take your eyes off what God has in plan for you, you're always going to hold on to the crappy old car that's stuffing up your life and messing you around. But if you see what the Lord is seeing, what he has planned for you, then everything changes. So you're going to like joyfully. It's not even a situation. It's not even so hard. It is so easy. You see, God wants to bless you and me with something phenomenal. Say amen. So the first key is that you need to get your eyes on what God has planned for you. And then know, yes, something has to die along the way, but it's not so hard. It's like with anything in life. If you, have to, if you see what you're going to, it's so much easier. Okay, so get a heavenly perspective. 
get a heavenly perspective. And you'll probably say afterwards, I can't believe I held onto that rubbish. Can't believe. That's why I often think, I can't believe it was a battle after everything God blesses me with. So think about this. Something needs to die if we are to experience abundance of life in God. Let me give you a few examples. What if you currently, ladies, see, single ladies, see a nice boy friend who doesn't follow Jesus? That's what you see. But God sees for you, just behind him, just past him, a godly man, a good man, a man of your dreams that will bless you and help you fulfill your destiny. But all you're seeing is I'm seeing a nice boy. Heck, better than nothing. So you go for the nice boy. But because you've gone for the nice boy, you miss out on the real deal. God's best plan for your life. Maybe. What if? What if? I mean, with Sonic and me, seven guys came to her. Over a period of something like two, three years or more. Seven guys, all interested. She batted them to kingdom come because she saw me. (laughs) Good choice? Was it a good choice? (laughs) Putting on the spot now. (laughs) But isn't that a beautiful example of Having to say, no, 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 please no, 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 yes. That's how the kingdom works. God has this beautiful plan for your life, but you have to say no to a whole bunch of other things to say yes to the real deal. I mean, how good is your God? How big is your God? Is he able to bless you and to provide for you and to, to fulfill your heart's desires? Yes. But how many have chosen option number two or three or four or five and not waited for the real deal? The one for them. What if? Or what if, guys, you have this lacquer good oak of a buddy? Nice guy, man. Good guy. But he tends to get you off track every time you... Have a time, it's a good time together. Huh? What if? What if that's all you're seeing? You're seeing he's a good oak. Stuffs my life up, but he's a good oak. Now I see some good stuff in there every now and again, but he's, he's a good oak. What if Jesus is seeing instead of that, he's seeing you making godly friends in this church? Men of courage, men of honor, and you are called to together slay some giants. With the real boys, the real men, those who are following Jesus. What if, what if, what if some of us are, are pursuing because of emotional ties, these other friendships, and we're missing out on the real deal because we're so busy over there that we're never here. Or never stepping out or reaching out so we can make the friends with whom we can slay some giants. When we walk with the other oak, you're just going to be slain by some giants. Big beers or something like that. I'm just saying, what if? 
What if you see a job with more money, but it costs you? What if you're seeing the money, but God is seeing for you guys, He's seeing for you a marriage that works, beautiful family, true job satisfaction, and you fulfill your destiny. But you went after the money. I, I, I want more money. What if you have a little bit less, but you fulfill your destiny? What if finding God's plan for your life, but something needs to die, it's like, oh, I can make so much money. My wife and I have thought about that in the past. We could have made so much money. Stuff that. I want to see one life change for Jesus. Money cannot replace that. Every, every one of us need to make some tough decisions at certain points in our lives if we want to follow Jesus. Every one of us. That's how it works. Something must die. But it isn't a sacrifice when you taste the blessing. It's like, bring it on. I want more of you, Lord. So what if you see yourself binging on series Movies and other entertaining things. I know there's none, none, no one here, no one in this house. <laughs> you see yourself, oh, I love that movie, I love that series, one after the other. A cliffhanger at the end, <gasps> must watch it again. Just one more, <gasps> just one more. Ah, oh, man, I need to know one more. It never stops. Let me tell you, it never stops. There is no ending. <laughs> Let me just, spoiler, spoiler alert, there is no ending. What if, what if, what if, if, what if God is seeing you fulfilling his divine script for your life? That you are the main actor in this glorious movie. The life that has been written for you. But you have to choose living someone else's life or living yours. What are you going to choose? Something needs to die. Something needs to die. Something needs to die if you want the fullness of God. I hope you're seeing there's something beautiful that God wants for your life. What if you see yourself buying and getting all the nice things you want on credit? Because you want it. Or maybe you have the money for it, but you want it, so you get it and you buy it. And those things get a grip on your heart. What if? What if God sees a better plan for you where you learn patience? Where you learn to go without all the nice stuff? And you learn to self-control. And you learn to live within your means. And you learn not to make debt so that you can be free instead of having this yoke of bondage of fear and anxiety and stress because of all the debt in your life. That's terrible. Sonic and I are debt-free. We don't have much, but we are debt-free. No fear. Economy can go to hell. We're blessed. Interest rates going up. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Debt is a yoke around your neck. We're going to speak in May. We're going to speak about generosity month. We're going to actually tackle all these topics of being bound by debt and things like that. It's going to be good. So which will it be? Are you, are you choosing plan B or C or D? Or are you planning choosing plan A? I want to go for plan A. I want the fullness of God. I promise you, nothing compares to that. You have to say, if to say yes to Jesus 
implies saying no to a whole bunch of other things. So we were in India after the, that same trip. We were, went from the airport, and late in the week, we went to these markets to go shopping. And I love the Indian people. They are beautiful people. It's awesome. It was, it was a really an amazing encounter. But the, the markets was quite a challenge because they are these salespeople from hell. They stalk you. Then there's like three or four on you. And you can't just do, uh, no thank you. Nice Christian. Uh, no thank you. Uh, no thank you. They keep coming. They keep coming. They keep coming. They keep coming. And then they came, that one, that one guy comes, so they, they carry these huge, Rion, remember they this huge balloon thing. But it looks like a big club thing. But it's like that high. It's huge. He carries it around and he hits it. Yeah, your child will love it. I'm thinking, yes, he will. How much? Then he shows me the little balloons. And he's saying, so much. So we go to another guy. The next guy says to us, also with his big balloon, um, that guy's trying to rip you off. Huh? Those little balloons he's showing is not the real thing. <laughs> so he walks around with his big balloon. Then he sells you this horrific little thingies that blows up to beep. <laughs> Now the next guy comes to us and he says, this is the real deal. And so we bought from him. We say, thank you so much. Awesome. Now we go to the next guy. Next guy comes. He says, dude, we've already bought it. Leave us alone. He said, what do you buy? These. And he laughs. Ah, they ripped you off. eh? That's not the real deal. Those are also like little balloons, little balloons. This is the real deal. I'm like, ah, suck. We We got ripped off like twice here. And the third guy was also ripping us off. <laughs> and I was thinking, isn't that how the world, how it works? So it's like, okay, you are doing life. Jesus is your guide. You are following Jesus. Now you're walking through an Indian market following Jesus. Salesperson from hell number one comes to you, sir, hey, how about this? Look at this. It's beautiful. Yeah, come on. It's only so much. It's the real deal. And so you stop and you look and okay. No, no. Jesus keeps on walking. Okay, so now after a while, you're okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, cool. Okay, Jesus coming. So now you're coming. Seeing him still over there. And then the next guy comes. Hey, how about this? And then you stop again at this market. Get distracted. Jesus is walking further, and you stop at another one, and another one, and another one, and another one, and then suddenly, Jesus? Where are you, Jesus? (laughs) He's been walking. You got distracted. You fell for all these salespeople from hell that has been ripping you off with one little balloon to the next. It's all fake. And I think that's how the world operates. The world tells every time you turn on the TV, it's like, you need this. You really need this. Man, you need to change your color. That's the hair color. This this is the right hair color. Oh, you need this car. I like what uh, Graham Cook says. The TV is the moron's magnet. (laughs) Think about it. We sit in front of the TV and we stare. I'm like, I don't want to be a moron. I'm not going to watch TV anymore. 
But think about it, it doesn't make us smarter, it makes us stupider. They say the level of brain activity when you watch TV is less than sleeping or something. <laughs> morons magnet. Oh man, come on, there are no morons in this house. Let's break out. But now also realize with these salesmen from hell, saying a nice no doesn't do it. It's like, no. No. You think I'm a Christian, I'm going to bite you. No. We had to get like ugly. Go away. I'm not interested. Eh? And so how do you deal with the distractions of life? Ah, no, man. No. Uh, yeah. uh, half-hearted nose is not going to get you anywhere. You have to say, no, in Jesus' name. I'm not going there. I'm not interested. Sometimes you just say, no. No way. No way in hell. No. Let's say it, No. 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 (laughs) To practice it. Practice in front of the mirror. No. 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 (laughs) You see, you need to say yes to Jesus. If you want to say yes to Jesus, it implies saying no to a whole bunch of other options. I know there's not the gospel that is preached in most places. It's like, yes, just say yes to Jesus. Woo, just pray your prayer. Ah, Jesus. Give my life to you. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Yes, I want life. I want to go to heaven. Awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Good deal. Good deal. Good deal. Amen. Woohoo. Then you go on with life as usual. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm not so sure. You need to say no to a whole bunch of other things when you say yes to Jesus. If you want his fullness, if you want all of him. If you want a boring experience, then that's fine. I'm not going for that one. Look at this one. The double-minded man. James 1, 6 to 8 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man. Unstable in all his ways. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything, say anything, from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Isn't that amazing? The scripture says you can be a Christian. You have prayed the sinner's prayer. You've surrendered your life to Jesus. But simply because you are double-minded, you receive nothing. I've experienced that. The moment I start compromising in my walk with God, back to my Avengers. Ay, ay, ay. Everybody needs to walk their own road. But I know when I say, God, I'm going to let go of the worldly things, I'm like, back, boom. Kingdom is coming. Lives are changing. If your Christian experience is average and boring, maybe, just maybe, you need to change something. What do you think? Just maybe. A whole bunch of people with a 21-day fast earlier this year, the Daniel fast, who turned off their TVs for a season, and they say the effect was beautiful. It was good. Who wants to be a moron in any case? (laughs) 
Okay, but imagine a double-minded man. So on this side is all the blessings, all the promise of God. It's like God is saying, this is what I have planned for you. Then on the other side is the things that aren't necessarily sinful, but it just keeps us busy. Divides, distracts our minds and hearts like series. Yes. So now you are over here in the middle. Now you're like, oh man, I want to spend time with Jesus. I want to, I want to, ah, series, come on. I want to know how this ends. It doesn't. So you get distracted. But the clock is like ticking. It's like that blessing is the clock is like 10, 9, Eight, seven, six, but you're like, ah, come on. Like, okay, no, Jesus, Jesus. So now you're in between, you're in between, is counting as five, four, three, two, one, beep, ah, missed it. Missed my opportunity. Missed this God moment. Missed my blessing. I was distracted. Maybe just to, you had this opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. You had an opportunity to invite them, to touch them, to impact them, but you were so divided in your mind and heart, you just couldn't focus. So you're like, just, hi, bye. Series. <laughs> I don't know, someone's speaking to series about, to someone about series today. Amen. Double-minded man, double-minded man, double-minded man, falls and divides the heart, and you miss out on everything. I want to say to you, God loves you. He's a loving dad. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't accuse you. He's not like, oh, you sinner. He's just like, oh, man, you missed out. We could have an amazing time. Amazing time together in the Word. Amazing time in prayer. Amazing time. You missed out. I so wanted to spend time with you. And I think that's the heart of God. He's like, Come. Come, let's spend some time. Let's spend some time. Then last verse here. Philippians 3, verse 7 to 10. The only way you're going to be able to do this if you hold your eyes on the prize. I want the fullness of God. Philippians 3, verse 7. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. Listen to this. I mean, he speaks in the context of gaining Christ. But I thought you just pray the prayer and then you gain Christ. Uh, no. <laughs> For a moment. But then he means to follow that up with a few decisions. Look at this. But what things were gained to me, does the Apostle Paul say about his past, about being this Pharisee, this leader in the religious community, all the things that he could have had. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Say, say counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count All things, say all things, all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Because that's what it is. Anything this world can offer us, it's rubbish compared to knowing him. It is. Every time I go on like a movie fast thing or whatever, then I like say, okay, God, make this worth my while. Make this worth my while. I want to know you. And then boom. Every one of us needs to give something. Let go of something so we can have the fullness of Christ. He said, count them as rubbish. It's like dog dung. Dog dung. 
Imagine it. But imagine this. This is the spirit of this world that deceives us to pursue dog dung. Rubbish. Rubbish upon rubbish. Compared to... Now, if you haven't tasted the fullness of Christ, you don't have a cooking clue what I'm speaking about now. Nothing compares to knowing Him. Nothing compares to having His presence in your life. Nothing compares to having this peace of heart and mind that you know, I am on a mission for the King. Compared to... Man, I'm wrestling, I'm battling with this desire and lust and this and confusion and I'm doubting and I'm unhappy and I'm acting like a shocker. I want to be a Christian, but I'm not acting like one. What's wrong? Double-minded. Something must die. Something needs to be said no to so that you can come to this side and say, wow, this is amazing. Peace, joy, purpose, lives being changed, the kingdom is coming, the Spirit of God is moving, you're seeing miracles happen, God is so tangibly real to you, it is Avengers had sprung. They marveled, that's what the Bible says, and they marveled, and they marveled, and then the devil comes, let's make them marvel. It's the wrong marvel. Marvel at his beauty, marvel at his glory, marvel at his peace and his joy and his presence and his kindness and his goodness. Ah, HD, Hans Spring, here he is, awesome. When you encounter him, nothing else can compare. It's all rubbish, promise you. But you need to go taste over there, it will change you forever. There's a level of walking with God that is truly satisfying and mind-blowing special, but it costs you something. So let that sink in. If to say yes to Jesus, you must say no to a whole bunch of other things. Otherwise, the Christian experience will be like sand in the mouth, huh? Coming to church, but I still feel so guilty, all this stuff happening this week. Coming to church, but I'm still, ah, not in good space. Why is it so hard? Well, I'm not experiencing what Andre is experiencing. What's wrong with me? Nothing wrong with you. Just let go of a few things. Last verse. Adding it quickly. Colossians 2, verse 9 to 10. It says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body that's in Christ. And then listen to this. And you are complete in him. Let's say it. I am complete in him. So it's not like you are 99% and Jesus is like your extra 1%. Woohoo! I'm complete. No. It's like you are 1% of yourself. You are 1% of the 100. You are just 1%. You can add anything else from the world. Boyfriend, extra 1%. Boom. But you're still all the way away from 100%. The Word of God says you are complete in Him. Only in Him. Only in Him. We, our culture is more difficult to follow Jesus than a persecuted environment. Because the things of this world don't seem so bad necessarily. There's a lot of in-between stuff. It's not like, I'm doing drugs. 
And this is our challenge, is to be amazed at who God is looking unto Christ. It is Him that I want and no one else. Nothing else. I want to be complete. I want to know peace and joy and rest for my soul and get a purpose and live life. You can only be complete in Him. Only in Him. Hallelujah. So I want to show, I want to show you this, this vision. This, I want to hold this before you. So to summarize, something needs to die if I am to experience abundance of life. And to say yes to Jesus implies saying no to a whole bunch of other things. So what do you do if you've been in the market trying to follow Jesus and you got distracted and you lost your way? What do you do? You can't see him anymore. feels out of reach. What do you do? Fall on your knees and say, Jesus, man, I lost the way. I got so distracted, I, I, lost, I sort of lost you. I lost following you. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for being so distracted with the things of life and will and the world. God, I want to I know you in your fullness. I want to declare, as the Apostle Paul declared, gaining Christ. I want to gain Christ. He's going to come. He's going to pick you up and say, Let, come on, let's go. Let's do this. Hallelujah.